Welcome to the Lady Landlords Podcast, where we empower women to gain financial freedom through real estate investing. I'm your host, Becky Nova, founder of Lady Landlords. If you're ready to buy, manage, and grow your real estate investing portfolio, then let's get started. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lady Landlords Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about deal analysis, finding that good deal. And today I'm going to be answering your questions directly from the Lady Landlords Facebook group here on this. One of the reasons why I think this topic is so important is because one of the most popular questions I see in Lady Landlords is, is this a good deal? And that might have been something that you have been thinking yourself, trying to sort out what you should buy, how to know if it's a good deal. And I get it. There's a lot of factors that go into it. So today we're going to start to really break down some of those myths about that to really see what is going to be the right thing for you. Now, one thing that I will tell you automatically is a good deal is dependent on you. You have completely different life circumstances going on than I do. So what I'm going to find a good deal versus what you're going to find a good deal are going to be different things because we're going to be looking for different things in general. But math is still math, okay? We still need to understand the math behind those numbers. We need to understand all those fun acronyms that we need to really make sure that we understand what are the numbers behind the deal so that we can decide then if that is a good deal for us or not a good deal for us. So if you can, I'm also going to give a little shout out. We're going to be doing a free training this Thursday. September 21st, right in the Facebook group that is going to go through how to break down those numbers and go through that step by step. So do make sure if you have not seen and registered for that event that you go over to the Lady Landlords Facebook group right now, go to events and you make sure to register for that live free event this Thursday on September 21st. If you are listening to this episode after that date, do not worry. You can go back to the Lady Landlords group and you can still access that free training. So do not worry about that there. But let's get to answering some of your questions from the group about deal analysis. So one of the questions that I absolutely loved, I have to answer this from Carolina Powell. Carolina Powell actually brought up a huge debate that we have all about deal analysis from our Facebook group. And that debate is all about single family, versus multifamily, which is better? Carolina's question is, talk to me about why you like duplexes in comparison to single family homes. The duplexes that I'm looking at would only bring in slightly more income than a single family home that she has rented. Basically, she's saying that the duplexes would be able to bring in around 13, maybe $1,400 versus her single family that is brings in $1,200 so therefore, she's asking, why would I want more tenants to deal with? So she feels that it would make more sense to stick with single families. So Carolina, we had this huge conversation in Lady Lemons on your post, but regularly about single family versus multifamily. And honestly, here is the answer for you. The answer is it depends. I know that's probably not the answer you wanted to hear, but here's the thing. Different areas are known for different types of properties, different types of buildings. For example, where I am in New York, living in a multifamily, living in an apartment building is incredibly normal. There's not a lot of single families really even in some of the areas around me here in New York City. Those are just not things that you're going to find. So it's much more common. You can actually get a higher rate of return 
on those multifamilies than you would in an area where multifamilies just aren't a thing and people think it's odd to share spaces in a duplex or in a multifamily in that sense. So you really have to understand your market and what the rents are going to be for that local area. Because the thing is, is that there's absolutely going to be times when a single family is going to bring in more money just because of the numbers, just because of how it's priced and what rents it's going to bring in, what neighborhood it is in versus a multifamily. And in those situations, you're going to have to look at the numbers specifically there to even see what that's going to bring in as well. So it really is important when looking at single family, multifamily, when people ask me which I prefer, my answer is always whichever one makes me more money. That's the one that I wouldn't want to buy because you have to really look and evaluate each specific property. With a single family, sometimes you can command higher rents in the area that you are because people want their own home. Also, then as a landlord, we can make sure that landscaping, snow removal, utilities are all absolutely paid by the tenant because there's no question who was using those. Compared to a multifamily, I would never expect one tenant in a four-family to be shoveling the snow from a driveway or the front steps for other people to use. I just would not expect that. Would I hope for that? Would I love that? Yes. Would I expect it? Absolutely not. When you have that single family, you have one roof to worry about. You have one stove to worry about. You have one set of tents to worry about. So it is less work from that side when you think about it in that perspective. But when you don't have a tenant there, when you have a vacancy, well, then you have no money coming, right? That's one of the reasons why a lot of people love those multifamilies instead. With the multifamily, then great, you have three units. Well, a one tenant moves out, but you still have the other two coming in. Well, at least maybe you're not making the profit you would when everything was full, but you would still have some monies coming in and hopefully at least covering your costs. But with the multifamily then, now sometimes you don't have all of your utilities completely separated. Right now, you can't really separate usage of water from one apartment to the next. Sometimes the way that the buildings were built, especially here in New York, maybe you only have heat that comes through and that's actually shared between multiple units. You can't have a tenant pay that specific utility because you can't separate out what is their bill versus somebody else's bill. But with that multifamily, you can then take almost that same square footage as you would with a single family, but yet have more tenants there. You have more income coming in, you have more opportunities. So instead of saying, well, great, I have a three family, a one family that has three bedrooms. Now I have a three family that has three studios on it or three one bedrooms. You can really actually increase what your income is going to be from that, but also it's going to usually increase your costs. You might still only have one roof, but then you have three stoves. You might have three boilers. You might have three water heaters. All those things are now multiplied, right? And you still could be in a situation where unfortunately all three tenants move out, right? And you have a vacancy in all places. So it's very important to know your numbers, to get really good at doing the math and really understanding your market and how these properties are rented, okay? Once again, I'm doing a whole plug here all for that free training I'm gonna be doing on Thursday, September 21st, because I think it's gonna be really helpful to get great at running those numbers to really help you, Carolina, to decide if you should go with a multifamily or single family. You didn't mention your location of your post, but it honestly sounds like that is a place that's much more known for the single families. But if I could get $1,200 for a single family and I can get a duplex and I'm getting two units at $1,300 and that's down 26, I'm going to go towards that multifamily. 
And to be clear, I do own single families and I own multifamilies, but I actually, especially investing in New York, most of my properties are multifamilies as well. So hope that helps, Carolina. Let's go down. Next question that came in that I wanted to address today was from Nyla Jones. Nyla Jones is saying, somebody help me make sense. She said she's listening to all these podcasts and YouTubes that we have with lady landlords. And she's getting stuck because the properties that she's looking at are only bringing in an extra $100 to $200 a month. And she goes, I don't get it. Why go through all this trouble taking on the debt, dealing with tenants for only a hundred or two months. The second part of her post that I want to address is where she says, and then when you have that 30-year mortgage on top of it, it's not even going to cash flow until 30 years have come by. All right. She's saying, help me understand how people get to financial freedom. So I want to break this down into two places. So Nyla, when you are calculating for your cash flow on a property, you want to include that mortgage that you're going to have on it. Okay. So if you're saying you're seeing a cash flow of $102, but yet that's not taking into consideration the mortgage, that does not count as cash flow. We have to be able to start thinking about what all the expenses are and having your taxes, having insurance, having the mortgage, and at the interest rates of where they are right now, are is going to be incredibly important to make sure that you are calculating that in for cash flow. So honestly, Nyla, I think some of the properties that you're looking at, they ain't cash flowing at all. If you're only seeing 100 or $200 a month, and that's not even including mortgage, right? So those are really not going to be then a very good fit, okay? But with that, when you do those numbers, I also want to set some real expectations for what you should be seeing from rental incomes, okay? So a lot of you may have heard of something called the 1% rule, okay? I want to give the caveat that really a 1% rule should be really called a 1% guideline. What that really talks about is that for every $100,000 spent on the property, that you should expect to see about $100 in cash flow, actual cash flow, profit after all expenses. That's how I use cash flow. That's how we use cash flow in real estate investing. Okay. So, for example, if I bought a property for $100,000 and have a mortgage on it, I should still expect that my cash flow would probably be about $100 coming in. That is a realistic expectation of what you would look for, okay? On the other hand, if I have a $500,000 property that I am purchasing, much higher price point, but after all my expenses, I should expect a cash flow of at least $500, okay? Like I said, this should really be called a guideline, not a rule. That does not mean that you can't choose something that's a little bit less, that has lower cash flow. Maybe you're buying for appreciation and you're looking for something to at least break even or something else, okay? But in general, to set expectations, when we are looking at buying properties, we need to have a realistic expectation of what that return should be, okay? We can't expect properties to just always be giving us an extra two grand a month or an extra five grand a month. We have to really understand that real estate investing is not passive income. This is not just easy money. This does take work. We have to find the right deals. We have to be, continue to scale our portfolio and really stack properties on top of each other to continue to grow that cash flow that we have coming in. That is really how to be able to get to financial freedom. That is really how to grow your income and really make a difference to be able to leave your day job, to replace your nine to five, all of those different things. It's really that compounding of rents coming in. But when you think about it, what am I going to do with that property that's going to cost $100,000? How can I bring that in to really give me a better cash flow? 
right? So for example, you can go with that property that's $100,000 and I'm picking that for easy math. For that $100,000, if you go and you have that mortgage on a property, you put down 25%. If you find $100 in cash flow, that would be more of that expectation when you took out a loan for that property. But if you just bought that property in cash, if you said, great, I'm going to take that $100,000, buy that property in cash. Now, whatever that rent is, which you would also want to be at least $1,000 a month on a $100,000 property, then that cash flow is all yours. You get that cash flow up front. But you spend a lot more money out of pocket. You completely knock down what your ROI is going to be on that property because you now have to recoup that $100,000 instead of putting down a 20 to 25% and bringing in that capital there. So all of the different options on how you can be able to make those things work really are dependent on what you and your personal situation are. It is so important to understand your strategy upfront, Nyla, going into purchasing these properties. I think it's so important to really reverse engineer how your portfolio should look. What is that end number that you are looking for? You were saying in your post that you're really looking to get to $2,000 a month in cash flow. If you want to do that, you can buy 100 properties or you could buy one property to bring you $2,000 in cash flow. You have to know upfront what your strategy is going to be because every property that you buy is going to have to be calculated into that and done appropriately to really make sure that you can get to that $2,000 in cash flow now, tomorrow, but definitely before your retirement age if you're looking to leave your day job and reach financial freedom sooner, okay? We need to set realistic expectations on what to expect in profit from properties, but we need to make sure that we are aligned at the beginning of our portfolio growth to make sure that we have the right strategy in place to be able to quickly scale and leverage our properties to bring in the cash flow that we are looking for, okay? If you need help with your strategy, please reach out. Let me know. That's what we do all day long in the Lady Landlords Mentorship. You can learn more at lady-landlords.com. You can learn all about how we can really help give you that blueprint that you need upfront to get that right strategy in place. So Nyla, that's my advice for you. But think compounding your properties is really the way to grow in this business, right? Then next up, we have a question from Nizreen. Nizreen is saying that she is really surprised on some of the properties that she is finding because she had a property that was a single family home for $400,000. She has a tenant in place at $2,200. She said, when somebody is able to buy this, she's like, the ROI is horrible. Plus, you already you also have your taxes, your insurance. And she's saying, even if you were able to raise those rents at the end of the lease up to market rent, which is another couple hundred dollars, she's saying, well, that would only really yield her that three to $400 in cash flow. And Nizreen, I want to say the same thing to you that I was saying to Nyla. You want to think about that 1% rule and really have realistic expectations for what you would be seeing from that income coming in, where really a $400,000 property, you would be looking really at a cash flow of about $400 a month coming in from that property. So we are seeing a lot of people that talk about how real estate investing is just such easy money and you can buy a property today and leave your day job tomorrow. And that's really not how this works. And I want you ladies to really start focusing on all the small steps that it really takes 
that you need to continuously be taking that action and that it's that consistent action and those small steps that really add up to a greater good. Real estate investing is not a get rich quick scheme. Regardless of what people on Instagram are telling you, it really is something that you need to be very focused on and committed to and understanding that you're going to have to put these things into place. Wealth is not easy to generate. It's not. This is things that have to be consistently worked on and consistently grown as we move forward. But once you can get that ball rolling, once you're able to really get that put together and get your plan in place, it is smooth sailing from that point forward. All right. Then last question I'll ask today, Ricky Brownlee is asking, can y'all point me towards a good template for calculating multifamily deals? Ricky, I absolutely can. Come join us during our free live training this Thursday, September 21st in the Lady Landlords Facebook group. And I'll give you all my personal calculator for calculating deals so that way you know you can go out, get that math done and know if that property is going to be a good deal for you or not and go put some offers in. All right, Ricky, hope to see you on Thursday. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me for today's Q&A episode of the Lady Landlords podcast. Please do make sure always post your questions in the Lady Landlords Facebook group. And you never know, I might just answer your question here on our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please do make sure to subscribe to the Lady Landlords podcast and leave us a five-star review. And we will see you next Tuesday for the next episode of the Lady Landlord podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lady Landlords podcast. If you're feeling stuck in your real estate investing journey, visit lady-landlord.com to book a 15-minute orientation call with me and see if you're ready to join our mentorship program. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter and join our Facebook group for exclusive real estate investing tips and offers. Invest with confidence. Become a Lady Landlord today.